I'm Mark Ficciani. Welcome to Forge Your Path. To see the type of impact he's been able to have on the lives of his athletes is really inspiring. Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of the Forge Your Path podcast. And I'm really fired up to share this one because I think during the week of Thanksgiving, during the holiday season, this is just a great message to be able to remember. I'm recording this during the week of Thanksgiving, and who knows when this is going to find you. It might might be at some point during December, might even be after the new year. But at the end of the day, this message can really hit you anytime. And I think it's really good pretty much all year round. But particularly around the holidays, I just think that this concept can be a really powerful one. So let me set the stage. This story is actually an old one. It's something that happened uh, back at least seven years ago. But I think this message to me is always a great one because the power of gratitude in my mind is one of the most unbelievable things on this earth because stuff happens every day and i know people i know people very well that say things like my day was great until or i'm just looking for that one day where nothing bad happens and the reality is i i guess my life's a little different a little more complicated i haven't seen those days very often there's always going to be something that throws you off whether it's a little bit of adversity or something major. So to me, life is all about your perspective and how when you fall or when you get that setback, how you respond back to it. So this message to me is a really powerful one in that vein. So I'm going to set the stage for you. If you follow college sports at all, you know the big money is in the big money sports. So I'm talking football. I'm talking basketball, and I'm not even really going to get into NIL, the whole name, image, and likeness, because I know that's changed the landscape for the last couple of years. I'm just talking about traditionally over the last 50 years, you know that there's big-time money in football and basketball. You've got everything that pours into all the big money conferences from the Big Ten to the SEC. And in basketball, you got conferences like the Big East, and there's just a ton of dough that goes into it. So coaches are paid a lot of money. Programs have the ability to build seven-figure, even eight-figure athletic facilities just because it's such a revenue draw. And it really has been for a long time. Now, I'm not going to argue whether that's right or wrong. That's not the point of this podcast today. because if you get that many eyeballs, yeah, that's great that you're able to then bring in the revenue commensurate to it. And yeah, that money goes back to all the other programs that help universities beyond the sports. And I do think that's a great thing. But what I want to talk about today is my roots. And I want to talk about my sport that has been a major part of my life. And that's wrestling. Wrestling in college is not and probably never will be a big money sport. So as a result, it's a different landscape. And of course, just like everything else, you have levels. So where's the best wrestling in the country? It's the Big Ten, without a doubt. You always have 
seven or eight of those big 10 teams, they're going to be in the top 25 in the country. And sometimes even 10 big 10 teams are going to be top 25 in the country. And then you get the smattering of teams from all over the place. You have some Ivy league schools. They end up being great programs. Like a Cornell is always a top 10 team. You have a couple schools out West that can be big draws. And ultimately though, as you go down the list, as you start thinking about the smaller division one schools, many of these schools are barely on the map. So that's the foundation of the stage for this podcast. Because when you start looking at small schools, what you don't realize is that fundraising is not just an important part of life at a small division one program. It's essential because if you don't raise enough money, that wrestling program is not going to last the next year. Wrestling has always been a target of being on the chopping block for a long time. It was for gender equity reasons because with title nine, wanted to keep men's and women's sports in line. And now, which is a great thing, the preponderance of women's wrestling has grown a bit. And a lot more programs are out there. So Title IX is longer the issue, but there's still is pressure from universities that small schools have to raise money if they want to have a program. So that's the exact background. Sacred Heart University. We're talking about in the mid 2010s. So the coach of the program is a phenomenal guy named Andy Lozier. And Andy had his own interesting bit of history. Was an assistant coach at Princeton University. Uh, before that, he started the program over at Stevens Tech, uh, right in my backyard in Jersey City. And then he takes over the coach, Sacred Heart University, small, beautiful school, about 60 miles outside New York City. And again, as I set the stage already, the fundraising mandate is big. They need to raise $100,000 a year just to keep the program humming. So in 2015, Coach Lozier comes up with a great idea. He and his assistant coach, because the NCAA tournament that spring is going to be held in New York City, he decides, let's do a fundraising effort where we run from campus to the city, to Madison Square Garden. So they have a several month effort of fundraising and publicity. And sure enough, coaches get the job done. They raise $100,000 and it's a huge success. So now come 2016, he says, what am I going to do this year? How am I going to top this feat? And oh, by the way, they've got to raise another $100,000 for the program. So this year he says, here's what I'm going to do. The NCAA tournament's in St. Louis. So I'm going to launch a seven-day bike ride from campus at Sacred Heart to St. Louis. So the effort is dubbed Spinning to St. Louis, 1,116 miles in seven days. You do the math on that, that's some pretty serious mileage, right? So coach trains for several months in preparation for this epic ride. And now it comes to be go time, it's fall, and they're ready for the ride. And at the same time back at campus, there's a lot of simultaneous effort going where while he's riding, the team is also going to be riding their bikes on campus to create awareness for this effort. So Coach Lozier is off and running for his 140-mile-a-day effort to get to St. Louis. Well, 
the story of this ride and the story I'm sharing today comes at about the halfway mark. And Coach Lozier's on a high. He's crossed the midway point of the race, and he just hears that morning, after having breakfast with Tom Ryan, the coach of Ohio State Wrestling, that they've eclipsed the 100,000 mark. So this fundraiser is a success. All he's got to do is just make it to St. Louis, and they can put another unbelievable effort in the books. So he's riding high and feeling great about everything, and then what happens? For the third time on the trip, he crashes his bike. And I know when I was younger, countless times I fell off my bike, I flipped my bike, I skidded on ice or skidded on dirt, went through an intersection, and it's never fun. It's quite different when you are a 30-something-year-old man and you're riding at high speeds with a, a racing bike because the chance for injury is significant and also the psychological toll that these falls take are significant because to keep in good headspace riding 14, 15 hours a day on a bike is challenging enough, not to mention throwing an injury like this in the mix. So he says he loses his concentration and for the third time on the ride, he's finding himself on the ground. This time he's in a cornfield, his bike is propped up against a telephone pole. And at this point, what happens? Well, Coach Lozier, quite simply put, is mentally broken. He's done. And he makes his way back on his bike and he starts to pedal. But he's decided that this race is over. But he, there's a problem. He's a wrestling coach. And by everybody's account, he's a leader. And he's a physical specimen, it's clear to see. And he's got an ego. So he can't just quit on the ride. He's got to save face somehow. So he makes an incredible mental decision. He decides he's going to purposely crash his bike. He's going to run into a car when he gets into the next town and take himself out of the race. Sustain an injury that is certainly not life-threatening, but serious enough that he would be able to leave the race and be able to save some dignity with it. Shocking, right? So he's, he's riding along and he's thinking for the next half hour how he's going to pull this off. And as he's doing this, he's on a busy country road. He knows he can't do this wrong or he's going to wind up dead and he has a family back home. But the dominant thought at the moment is simply disgust. Because he feels consumed with negativity and dread and really just really just a nasty internal dialogue because he's so frustrated. He's frustrated that unlike other college wrestling coaches, he's got to do these crazy rides. He's got to take time away from his family to train just to be a wrestling coach when other coaches don't have to do this. He feels frustrated that his university doesn't understand his plight and can't just let him be a coach. And he's got to go out and do this fundraising. He's frustrated. He has to spend months when you take the cumulative impact and hours away from his family in order to do this effort. And he's just really wallowing in a, in a place of, of negativity. And at that moment, he realizes something. It dawns on him that 
if he had a free day without other obligations, one of his favorite things to do was to go for a ride. And he started thinking about how so many other people out there would love the opportunity to go cycle and to do this ride the way that he's doing. He thought about people less fortunate who have physical disabilities. And, and he considered how lucky he is to be able to ride a bike. He thought about how fortunate he is to be a head wrestling coach, to be a leader of men, and to have a calling and to get paid for coaching the sport that he loves. And he started to understand and feel grateful for that. He continued on this path and he realized he took his water bottle out and then thought about how amazing it was to have a chance to drink clean water. And he, it dawned on him that millions of people are out there every day, that that's a daily fight. That what he had taken for granted so often, other people would be just blessed to have clean water and access to it. So as he continued to go on this ride and stay on this mental path, he realized that he'd become somewhat of a victim to his life and that he wasn't a bad guy, but he'd become accidentally ungrateful. He'd focus so much energy on all the things that he didn't have, all these have-to-dos that were in front of him, instead of focusing on all the blessings that he had as a person on this earth. And he decided that when he finished this ride, and really from that moment forward, he was going to start looking at life differently. And this was the first moment during this ride that he said he ever felt the power of gratitude. And it completely changed his perspective. So the next couple of days were difficult. And... And he had a lot of physical challenges. But with this new perspective, he felt like he had a second lease on life. He finished the ride, of course. And then he started to embark upon a new journey. He started to look at things differently and to take a look at the daily blessings he had. For example, he talked about traffic. He said it used to just tear him up inside when he was on the way home to, from practice to his house. And it used to just eat him up. But then he thought about it. He said, I'd rather not sit in traffic, but I can sit here and listen to a podcast. I can sit in my car and be the beneficiary of a heated steering wheel. And he realized that all these things instead that he had to do, all these things on his punch list, all these obligations, he started to see them as opportunities of things that he got to do. And he made the decision to start living his life intentionally. And I think one of the greatest quotes from his story is that it's amazing what a day can feel like when you actually live with intentional gratitude. When you actually choose to live your life with understanding and walking in to embracing the blessings you have, there's just no telling what a day can feel like. So I think that this is such a powerful message for all of us to remember because it's so easy just to plow through a day. It's easy to plow through a week. I found myself, even after rediscovering this story, as I was thinking ahead to the, the month ahead, where there's a lot of to-dos on this list. There's 
a pretty intense work crunch that always faces that last month of the year as you race to the end. There's the family obligations of doing the shopping for the holidays. There's thinking about the different holiday parties or events have to attend to. And instead of thinking about those as obligations, I'm going to rededicate myself to realizing these are all blessings, that I get to do these things, that I have a family that I get to share these experiences with, and that I have a job where I have a chance to go in and add value every day to my team and to the greater company. I have a chance through vehicles like this to go inspire somebody to have a better day than the day they were having before they listened to this. And these are not obligations. These are things that I get to do. So as you listen to this, as this lands with you today, as you close out this year, can you find that intentionality in the little things each day? And when you find yourself getting caught up in that grip of the day, when you find yourself getting sucked in to the chronic complaining of some of those people around you, just take a pause and just remember that these are not things you have to do. You are blessed to get to do a lot of different things in this life with the time that you have. So attack this day with gratitude, embrace the experiences and the people around you in this next day, week, and month, and have a fantastic rest of the year. If you can do that, I know you're going to head into 2024 with incredible, not just momentum, but reverence for life. And the feelings that you can bring to each day can only spread joy to yourself and those around you. So have a blessed day. If this message hit you right and you enjoyed it, please share the message to other people you think that can benefit from it as we all strive to be that better version of ourselves. Have an awesome day, and I'll see you in the next episode.